Well, welcome this morning to week two of our series we're calling Detox. We're looking at a brand new year. Can you believe it's already 2016? It's like, what in the world? I cannot believe it's already a brand new year. And hey, if you could at this time grab your message notes, uh, this will kind of help guide you through what we're going to be talking about today. Also, if you go on our apps, on our app, our iOS or Android app, you can check out, um, you can check out uh, the notes right there. So you can, you can download them right there on your phone, email them to yourself. So if you just go to the App Store or the Google Play Store, you can check out uh, just City Hills Church and it'll pull it right up. Also on that app, if you want to join with us on 21 Days of Prayer and it, 6 a.m. just doesn't work for your schedule or you're getting kids ready in the mornings, we have a lot of people that join us online to pray. We actually, right there on the app, there's a link and you can click on it. And it'll open up an app called Periscope. And you can, down, you can download that, and just for free, you can watch and pray with us. So check it out. And, and also, if, if 6 a.m. is just, you didn't know there are two of those in a day. Uh, whenever I was in college, I, I didn't know there were two 6, a, six o'clocks in the day. I just thought it was just a p.m. one. I didn't know there was an a.m. one, too. But uh, it, you, it's, it's archived for a whole day, so you can check it out whenever you wake up, whatever works for your schedule. So awesome. Hey, as you're, as you're getting those ready, I want to make mention of two things coming up. Number one, if you have a desire to get more connected to the church, so maybe you're brand new here and you would like more information about kind of what we're all about and how to get involved, we want to make it very simple to do that. One of the things we want to do here is just make it very easy for you to get connected and to find out what the church is all about, what we believe, how you can get connected, what, what our idea of or what our vision and dreams and all those things are. I like to say this, if you're even remotely considering making a church your home, um, you, you owe it to yourself to spend a couple hours uh, finding out kicking the tires, finding out what it's really about, not just on Sundays, but behind the scenes. And that's one of the things we would love to do here every first, second, and third Sunday of the month. We host a, uh, we host a session called Growth Track. And what it is, it's just, it's just that. It's a great way to learn about what, who we are, what we believe as a church, how you can get connected, how you can get involved. It's a great next step for you. There's no pressure. Nobody's like, you know, gets your bank account number whenever you come to Growth Track or takes your blood, you know, your blood, te- gets a blood test. No, it's just a very easy way for you to kick the tires, ask questions, and get connected. So that's tonight at 5 p.m. at our office. The uh, address is on the back of your worship guide. Also, next Sunday... Uh, we're going to be having an informational meeting for anyone that has a desire to make a difference in the next generation. Immediately following service, we're going to be having food, and uh, we're going to be meeting right in our kids' area. And we're going to, I want to share some vision with you of, of really what we feel called to do and to make a difference in the next generation. Um, a, a great quote is, is that, that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. So we want to make sure that the freedom that we found in Jesus is instilled in the next generation in an even greater way. And maybe you didn't grow up in church and you thought, maybe you think to yourself, I would have loved it if someone shared Jesus with me whenever I was younger. Well, this is your chance to share Christ with, with those, who, those who are in the next generation. Or maybe you grew up like me, going to church a lot. And man, so many of the Bible verses that I know today and that I even speak on, I learned from a, uh, from a teacher um, whenever I was just a little kid, 
So I thank God that people taught me the Bible and taught me about Jesus. And whenever I was older, it's like it all came together and I was able to, to, uh, to, to use that for, for good. So we would love to connect with you on that. Again, that's immediately after service. We promise we will be very brief and we'll have some food there so that you can eat. And we'll have child care for your kids. But we really want to make sure that we are, as a church, making steps forward in the area of the next generation and making a difference from teenagers, college students, to in, in our little ones as well. Awesome. Well, speaking of the next generation, um, I saw this the other day, a story about a dad and his son. It said a father was passing by his son's bedroom, and he was astonished to see, astonished to see the bed was nicely made and everything was picked up. Then he saw an envelope propped up prominently on the pillow. It was addressed, Dad. And with the worst premonition, he opened the envelope and read the letter with trembling hands. It said, Dear Dad, it is with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing to you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because we wanted to avoid a scene with Mom and you. I've been finding real passion with Stacy. She's so nice. But, but I, I know you would probably not approve of her. She's much older than I am, but it's not only the passion, Dad. She's also pregnant. Stacy said that we would be very happy. She owns a trailer in the woods and has a stack of firewood that will last the whole winter, she says. We share a dream of having many more children. Stacy has opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone, and we'll be growing it for ourselves and trading it with the other people in the commune for all the cocaine and other drugs that we want. In the meantime, we'll pray that science will find a cure for AIDS so Stacy can get better. She really deserves it, Dad. And don't worry, Dad, I'm 15, and I know how to take care of myself. Someday, I'm sure we'll be back to visit so that, you, um, so that you can get to know your grandchildren. Love your son, Joshua. P.S. Dad, none of the above is true. I'm over at Jason's house, and I just wanted to remind you that there are things that are worse in life than a, the school report card that's on the kitchen table. Call me when it's safe for me to come home. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, last week we talked about New Year's resolutions and this idea that the brand new year gives us a fresh lease on life. The, brand, the new year gives us uh, the freedom to dream again about what our life could be or what our life should be. And I said last week, I believe that's put in there by God. Like God, God put a desire in us to know that we're made for more and we know that, that there's a great plan for our life and a great calling that we can be a part of and that we can make a difference with our life. But so many times we look at other people that seemingly have it all together. Other people that we look at them, we feel like their lives are so much better than us. All the areas that we struggle in, they're perfect. They're, all the areas that we wish we were better, they're already better. And, and, and we just look at our dreams off in the distance and we think, man, I could never ever reach those things. Our resolutions seem so far away we feel like we could never, ever make it. Well, this series is called Detox, and here's what we're simply talking about. I'll, I put it at the very beginning of your notes today. It's th simply this. We, we look at all the big things, but, but it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everybody wants. That in life, it's often the little things, the little choices, the small things that whenever we do those small things, it actually results in the big change in our life. What is the distance between where you are and your destiny? 
What is the distance between the natural and the supernatural? What is the distance between your resolution and the accomplishment of that? What, what is the distance between where you are and where you feel God's called you to be? Well, if you were to ask the apostle Peter, he would probably tell you about a story, a time whenever he was in the boat with all of his friends and a storm came so bad that they were ready to just jump over and die. And about, about, about in the middle of the night, the Bible says that Jesus came walking on the water. Jesus came walking on, on the thing that was troubling them, the thing that I, I, love, I love to even talk about this. This is so good. The thing that had them troubled, Jesus already had under his feet. Could it be that the things that trouble us the most in life, Jesus has already has it under his feet? It's already in control. God's already got it taken care of. So, so Jesus comes to him and them, and Peter cries out. He says, if it's you, let me, bid me to come to you. And Jesus simply says, come. And, and Peter went from the natural to the supernatural. Peter went to an ordinary life with all of his friends on the boat to a supernatural life walking on water. And what was the distance between the natural and the supernatural? It was simply this, one step. One step. I believe the distance between where you are and the dreams and goals that God has put in your heart for this new year, it's not as far away as what you think it may be. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 simply says of our lives that as he thinks or as a man or as a person, as a woman thinks in his heart or her heart, so are they, so is he, so is she. So the things in life that we want to become, the Bible says, if we're going to change what we become, then we have to be able to change how we think. We spend a lot of time in life thinking about what other people think about us, do we not? We spend a lot of time thinking about what other people's perception is of our lives and our choices and how we look and all these things. We spend a lot of time thinking about what other people think. But I want to I say today, I don't think we spend enough time thinking about what we think about ourselves. Could it be that we are self-sabotaging our own destiny and the devil is standing to the side with a smile on his face? Because here's what, here's what he knows. If you're a child of God, the enemy cannot touch your life. The Bible says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So, so the devil can't mess with you, but here's what, you, here's what he can do. He can cause you to mess with yourself. He can cause you to self-sabotage your own destiny and purpose if you begin to think in the wrong way. See, thoughts are so powerful. I would dare say how you think is the most powerful thing about you. Thoughts have creative power. Thoughts have the power to change things. Thoughts build things. I got thinking about the corporations and businesses of our world. When, when, when you form an incorporation, an incorporation is actually bigger than a person. An incorporation is bigger than a product. An incorporation is bigger than the, the headquarters of the corporation. The, the, the headquarters could burn to the ground and the, the founder of the corporation could pass away. But, but the corporation still stands because the corporation is an idea. As a matter of fact, you can't even sue somebody that's in a corporation. You have to deal with the corporation. It's just an idea that our nation recognizes as a way to be able to do business in life. I'll take it a step further. This church is an idea. This church is not a place. We meet in a, in a middle school that's owned by Knox County. The church is not a building. We're, we, we don't go to church. We are the church, right? 
Like the church is not just a place that we visit. Uh, this is not a sanctuary. City Hills Church will never have a sanctuary because we are the sanctuary, right? It's not the place that's holy. It's our hearts. It's our lives that are holy. Our, the, the building is not the church. The founder of the church could, could pass away. The pastor of the church, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, but the church goes on. Because the church is bigger than a building. The church is bigger than a person. The church is an idea that we are come together as broken people. We're full of issues and full of problems. But we come to a perfect God that touches us and changes us and makes us brand new. Gives us purpose and meaning in life. City Hills Church is an idea that we exist to help people find God. Know God. Find freedom. Discover their purpose and make a difference. See, I'm thinking about this. Think about if you lived 300 years ago. How different would your life be if you lived in the 1700s? How many things that you use on a daily basis would you not have if you lived 300 years ago? Think of the inventions that have been made in 300 years. It's electricity and vehicles and um, um, you know, car, you know, cars and cell phones and polyester and all, you know, I mean, you, you imagine all the things that have been invented in the last 300 years. Think what your life would be without those inventions. Think what your life would be w- w- without those things that started out as thoughts. Before there was a cell phone, there was someone who had a thought of communicating in a different way. Before there was before there was electricity, there was a thought. Before there was a computer, there was a thought. Everything that we see began somewhere as a thought. This building began as a thought in someone's mind. I went to Walgreens this morning, and I had this message on my mind, and I was like overwhelmed looking around at Walgreens. I was thinking, all of these products, some of them are crazy. Started out in the mind of a person somewhere that thought, This is how this product should be. This is how it should look. It should be this many ounces, not that. Like every aspect of it was a thought in the mind of someone. This building started out as a thought in someone's mind. And it may have been on a napkin. They begin from their mind. They begin to sketch out what they thought West Valley Middle School should look like. And from that one thought, here we have all of this. So here's the question. What are you thinking about? Because if the enemy knows the power of your thinking, if, if, if he understands that when you, somebody messes with your mind, they're messing with your most valuable resource. See, you can take away somebody's money. You can take away somebody's health. But if they still have a thought, if they have a mind, an idea, that, that thought is powerful. It has a great power in their life. So God says, you are what you think. Here's here's the next idea in your notes, uh, that your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. (laughs) You you will begin to go in the direction of your thoughts. As a matter of fact, you, you can't be it until you can see it. Like God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want to make you a father of many nations. But before that promise happened, God brought Abraham out into the country and said, look up, Abe, what do you see? He said, I just see stars that are innumerable. He said, I see those stars. And God says, that's how your seed are going to be. God says, before it can be, you must first be able to see what it is. What are you thinking about? See, God never gives us the the finished product in our life. I I found this so fascinating. But God always gives us the raw materials. God doesn't build this stage. But he made trees. 
And somebody took the raw materials and an idea and made it come to pass. God's never going to give you the finished product in your life. But what he will give you is an idea. He will give you a thought. He will give you a way to think. And then he'll, you'll begin to move in the direction of your thoughts. If the enemy can hijack your thoughts to tell you you're no good, your past is too much problem for God to use your life, if he can get you thinking you'll never get out of debt, you'll never be able to do that resolution, you're ugly, you're fat, you're can, you can never do it, you never be consistent, and you hear those voices in your mind, you're going to move in the direction of those thoughts that are coming in your mind see 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 we move in the direction of our thoughts it's 21 days of prayer and fasting i've had a lot of thoughts not eating certain foods haven't ate greasy foods or meat this past week and um during the week and and uh man i was driving through turkey creek and i could smell i could i mean i just smelled smells that i i just i just normally i guess don't think about and i passed five guys and i just felt the heavens open and angels begin to sing and descend and ascend from that place. And I just knew there was just an anointing there. And God was calling me to that place. And I was just supposed to seek the Lord there at Five Guys. And, and uh, I thought, no, 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 that's not God, right? That's, uh, that's, that's me. And I thought, you know what? You can't do that. You're fasting. And, man, you haven't had that greasy food this week. If you ate all that grease, you would probably die. And I was like, but at least I'll die happy, God. You know, I'll die smiling. I'll be very happy, very thankful about it. I was going in the direction of my thoughts. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. What I've learned is your thoughts are like a train. They lead you somewhere. They're taking you to a destination. And my question is where? Do you have the courage to think beyond where you are? Do you have the faith to see God bigger than your current situation? Do you have the ability to push past the voices of negativity that are in your life? And begin to see God as greater? To trust His Word as being more? I want to give you a little test today. Just simply this, a thought test. I want, to, I want us to think about what we're thinking about, all right? And, and I know uh, before, you, before you fill it out, you see it's right there in your notes. Before you fill it out, I know we have some overachievers. So all you West Knoxville people just overachieving and uh, excited about it. Just going to get it filled out really fast. I want, I want you to slow down a little bit. And uh, I want to um, I, I want to lead you in this. Here, here's here's the first question. In one to ten, one being worried, ten being peaceful. Um, are you more worried than peaceful, or more peaceful than worried? Are are you worried about if your kids will be successful? Are you worried about if they're going to get bullied? Are you worried about your finances? Did your credit card bill come in from Christmas, and you think, oh God, <laughs> I'm worried? Are you worried about your career? Are you worried if there are layoffs coming? Are you worried if um, what, what your life's going to look like if, if, if that happens and changes? Do you, are, are, are you worried in your life? Or are you, are you peaceful? Are you, are you living at a place where you know God's providing? You know Jesus is going to take care of my family. God, whatever happens, I'm just at peace about it. Why don't you, why don't you fill that out? One to ten. Are you worried or are you peaceful? One to ten. S- second, are you negative or are you positive? Are you a complainer? Are you somebody who's constantly critical about everything? 
Do you constantly share your negative opinions with everyone? Do you see the world in a negative light, in a negative way? Are you constantly dissatisfied at life and nothing ever makes you happy? Everything you get, you wish you had another. Everything that you want to have when you get it, it just does not bring any kind of satisfaction you, you, you wish you could have a spouse, and then you wish you could have somebody else's spouse, and then you have kids, you think, oh God, I, want, I don't want these kids, I want, I'm not happy, I'm just negative in my life. Or are you positive? Do you see God in everything? Do you see good in everything? Do you see God in control? Are you, do you smile? Do you have a positive word? Are you an encourager? And why don't you fill it out, one to ten, negative or positive? And lastly, um, is your thought, are your thoughts worldly, or, or are they eternal? Are you consumed with how life is here in our city, in America? Are you consumed with being in the right circle of friends, maybe at school or around work or in, the, in society? Do you want to live in the right neighborhood, drive the right car, have the right presentation? Or you say, you know, it's a material world and I'm a material girl. <laughs> or are you someone who's consumed with the earth? There's just not... You see somebody, you say, there's just not enough pieces of chrome on my car. You know, there's just, just not enough. It's never enough. I need more. Or are you someone who's, you're, you're thinking about the eternal. You, you think, man, I'm living in this life for an eternal purpose. My, my work is not even about my work. My money's not even about my money. It's not mine anyways. It's God's put me here to make a difference. Like, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not someone who's just heaping things for myself, but I'm a distributor. I'm making a difference. I'm, I'm somebody who's, who's realizing I'm just passing through this earth and, and, and my life's a vapor, and I'm, I know one day I'm going to meet Jesus, and I want to make sure he says, well done, because I've taken what he's given me, and I've used it for his glory. And are you an eternal thinking person? Why don't you fill that out one to ten? I want you to think about what you think about. You say, this is simple. This is, this is childish. No, I believe what you think about is so important because we live in a culture that constantly pulls us to the left side of that test. Constantly pulls us to a place of negativity, a place of worry. Uh, our, the, the news and the news media is built on worry, is it not? That it, that it's, it, sells, it sells and markets worry. I mean, it's all about worry. We're worried about the next election. We're worried about the issues around. I mean, it's just worry, worry, worry. We should be concerned. We should be informed. But, but, but there's just something. If it's, They're always searching for a way to make us worry, make us fret about what's going to happen in our nation, what's going to happen instead of realizing God's in control no matter who's in the White House. It doesn't really matter who's in the White House as long as God's on the throne. His purpose is still going to prevail, right? That God's in control. There are, or we live in a world that's just negative. There's negativity. We, we, we elevate comedians and, and, and shows of people that are cynical. And, and that's just part of what our culture consistently produces. Just this negativity and this, 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 this brashness and rawness and trying to just go against the, the people. And no joy, no peace. And, and, and worldliness is, is, is so pervasive. And materialism is, is how, how, how everything is sold today. And it's just it's everywhere we look. That's why the Bible says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Watch this. By changing the way that you think. The way that God changes our lives is by changing our minds. It's, 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 it's thinking differently. It says when we change the way that we think, then you will learn how to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, God knows that if we can begin to think right, that he can lead us and we can know the will, his will for our life. 
So I want to talk today about what we should be thinking about. I want to talk today about what it would look like if we, serve, if we were living our lives in such a way where we let the ideas of our heart, we let the creativity of God come in us and we begin to think differently in 2016, that we would detox ourselves from some thoughts that we've been having in our lives. And I believe 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, if you want to look at it with me, I believe this is God's model for what it means to have a detox of our thoughts. It says, first of all, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Here's the first idea that we understand about our thoughts is, first of all, it's on the back of your notes, there is a war for control of our thoughts. There is a war for control of our thoughts. The Apostle Paul writes and says, understand this, there is a spiritual warfare that's taking place in the world. The eternal verse, the, in the eternal realms, there's heaven and hell. God, the de- there is a battle, there's a warfare that's taking place in the world. And I don't know if, it, if you do this, but in my mind, I imagine it being like off in the distance, like the Avengers, you know, like up where, uh, you know, up where, uh, you know, whatever, where, where, where people live, you know, it's like in the, in the distance, like in a galaxy far, far away. Hudson, Hudson uh, my three-year-old, we were praying, and I'm trying to teach him the Lord's Prayer right now, and it's, it's not really working out that great. We're trying, though, and I'll repeat, and he repeats. So I'll say, our Father, and he'll say, our Father. So, man, it takes forever to get through it. And then when it's done, he'll say, no, I want you to repeat after me. So this is his idea, and he'll say, uh, so he'll, he'll, he'll pray a prayer. The other night he was praying, he said, um, you know, Jesus, you are awesome, which was good. And he said, he loves a Lego movie, so he said, everything is awesome. And the Andrews repeat after him. And then, and then he was having his mom repeat after him the other night, and he said, he, he, was, he was praying, he said, in, in a long time ago, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> I was like, that's my boy right there, Star Wars to the core. But, but we, think, we think it's in a galaxy far, far away where the battle's happening. God says, no, 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 the battle, the warfare is in our minds. There's a warfare in our minds and in our hearts. And we got to make sure that we're keeping our eyes open. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on, God's, put on all the armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Let me pause for just a moment. God is telling us that our fights and our warfare are not with people. There are individuals in all of our lives that are bringing conflict that we're having problems with. But God says, get your eyes off of people. Get your eyes off of the problems you're having with people and realize that there's a spiritual warfare that's superseding that. It says we're fighting against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. God says your, your, your enemy is very organized. That, that, that the enemy of your soul has a tailor-made plan to try to take you out. And so he says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil so that after the battle, you will be standing firm. See, I think the enemy is, just wants us to not think there's a battle taking place. He wants us to, to not realize we're in a fight. Have you ever been in a fight before and not realized you were in a fight? 
I hope not because it's not good news. It's bad. <laughs> if you're about to get, you know, if somebody is ready to fight you, but you don't know they're about to fight. I grew up in a, in a church that was, in a church culture that was very lively, very excited, and, and people would dance and, sh- and shout and, and run and run the aisles from time to time. And, and one time we were all standing down front. It was like a youth rally, a youth event. And man, this, it was a small church kind of out in the country, and it was just packed. And uh, I mean, it was just standing room only, and the sermon was over, and everybody was excited. We were down at the front in the altar space, and people were praying, and, and I was just kind of doing this right here. You know, I'd already prayed a little bit, and I'd had young, I was a youth pastor, so we had young people that were kind of all there, and I was just kind of doing this number right here, you know, just kind of praying a little bit. And, and, and I could tell people were excited around me, and, uh, but, but I was just kind of focused on God, you know, just kind of my eyes closed, and just, you know, just, just worshiping a little bit. And about that time, I just, I just, somebody punches me in the face as hard as, like, to the point where it just hits me right here in the side, and I go down to one knee. I mean, right there. I mean, just right there in church, in the, in the, you know, right there at the end of service, and I'm thinking, what in the world? I mean, I'm just, I'm so, I don't know what's about to take place, and I look up, and there's a guy that's doing this number right there, right in front of me, and apparently he just was, I don't know what was happening, but it wasn't God, because he just hit me right in the face. And, uh, you know, and I learned a valuable lesson. Always keep your eyes open <laughs> in the church. You know, you guys can pray with your eyes closed. I'm going to watch and pray, right? <laughs> I mean, if somebody, I ain't going to get too close to people. I got hit in the face. But, <laughs> but, but I think that's kind of like the enemy. That's his plan. He wants to keep our eyes shut, and then he's going to come attack us. But you know what? We need to do this new year. Keep our eyes open. When you walk out of this place, say, enemy, you're not going to mess with Next time that negative thought comes in about your past and how God's not going to forget, why are you going to that church anyway? Everybody know When they find out about what you did, they're going to tell you to leave that church. You need to just identify that and say, you know what, devil? I'm not going to let you destroy what you're doing in my life. I'm going to keep on moving with Jesus. I'm going to move forward, and I'm going to trust that his plan is going to be perfect because his word is true, and you're a liar. Come on. That's what we need to realize. We are in a battle. Secondly, we need to identify and reject toxic thoughts in our lives. God says you need to realize, you need to identify those thoughts and realize they're not from God. Jesus said us, told us that the devil's a liar and he's the father of lies. His number one tactic is deception. Satan has no power to destroy us. He can't touch us, but he knows we can destroy ourselves if we mess with our mind, if he messes with our mind. The, the word, he says that we are to pull down strongholds that the enemy has in our life. See, a stronghold simply this. The word in the Greek simply means this. A, a stronghold, it means a, someone who is captive, held captive by deception. Someone who is in a stronghold, they've been captivated by deception. What are the deceptive thoughts in our lives that have us captivated, that, that, that stop our progress in our walk with God? Was it something someone said over us? Is it, is it something that, that we keep hearing in our mind? What, what does the chatterbox tell you? I love that. We all have a Pastor Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church, a, a great church in Charlotte, North Carolina. He wrote a book called Crash the Chatterbox. I love it. It's one of my favorite books. You should read it. And it simply said, we all got a chatterbox in our mind. It's just, you're not enough. What are you trying to do that for? You'll never have victory in your life. Remember what you did. I mean, just constant chatter, 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 chatter. Identify those things. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, The devil who rules this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. 
They cannot see the light of the good news, the good news about the glory of Christ, who is exactly like God. God, help us to not be blinded by the lies of the enemy. Here's the third thing. We need to replace toxic thoughts with truth. God says we will be changed, transformed by the renewing of our mind. Literally, to have newness in our mind, to think differently. And here's what we're supposed to do. Take the things that come our way that are lies and begin to replace those with the truth of God's word. We begin to change those things and begin to put them in their rightful place. And begin whenever the lie comes to us, we begin to replace it with truth. That's why it's so important to be in church. That's why it's so important to, to read the Bible. We, we really try to make it easy here at the church to, to, to help you read the Bible. We have our, at our, on our iOS and Android app, there's just a, a simple button that says daily Bible reading. And you can click on it and it'll actually read it to you if you want it to. But, but why do you need to read the Bible? Why do you need to come and hear the Bible preached about and taught about? Why? Because you cannot be profoundly impacted by that which you do not know. Like, you can't, you can't fight the devil if you don't have a weapon to fight him with. You can't win the victory in your mind if you don't have a sword in your hand, which is the word of God. So when the enemy comes against you, you can have something to come against him with and begin to say, see, that's what the devil did to Jesus whenever he was tempted in the wilderness. The devil said to him, hey, why don't you, why don't you do this? Why don't you, why don't you cast yourself down? Why don't you turn these stones into bread? What was the devil was trying to bring temptation and bring lies to Jesus? And Jesus' response was the same every time. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. What was he doing? He was fighting the lies of the devil with the word of God. He said, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus says, no, it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know, what was he saying? He said, I got something better. I know the truth. I know what's right. I'm not going to let the devil lie to me anymore. I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust that God is in control. So I want to make a fresh challenge here in this new year to say, what are you filling your mind with? What are you filling your thoughts with? What are you listening to when you drive down the road? What's the first thing that you feast your attention on? Is it, is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Is it, is it what's going on in the world? Is it the news? Or, or are you filling your mind first with the word of God? Are you filling your heart first with, 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 with worship and with praise and with preaching? And, and are, are you filling it with things that can combat the enemy? Or are you filling with things that the enemy can use to silence the voice of God in your life? Are you allowing your time to be spent in a way that, that is positive for to filling your life with the word of God? Or are you filling with something that's full of deception? I um, heard a story just this past week, about a book that was written in 1979. I never read the book, but it was by a man named Peter Jenkins called A Walk Across America. And uh, it's, the, it's, his, it's a story about a journey that he took from Maine all the way to California. He walked 5,000 miles in five years, all while carrying a 70-pound backpack. He walked through the Appalachian Trail. He walked all the way to New Orleans. He walked through West Texas. 
He walked in heat of over 120 degrees. He was attacked by animals on the journey. He was hit by a car. He was attacked by dogs, bit by snakes. He was mugged three times and stabbed one time. Took him five years, hiked across America 5,000 miles. In the book, they, he's asked the question, what was the greatest thing that made, that, that made you come closest to giving up on your journey? His answer fascinated me. His answer was this, sand in my shoes. My mom would have went to the car wreck or the snakes or the mugging or the stabbing or but he said, the thing that made me want to turn back more than anything else was sand in my shoes. He said, I'd be hiking, and um, there'd be times I'd be five, six, seven days. I'd be sleeping in a tent. I wouldn't have opportunity to take a shower. He said, and I just could not get the sand out of my shoes, and it was always there. He said, and of all the things, it, he said, as a matter of fact, he said, the hard things made me want to go even stronger. I find it fascinating. See, usually it's not the tragedies that happen in our life that cause us to turn away from God. It's usually the tragedies that turn us to God, right? It's whenever things are up against the wall and we don't know what to do. It's when we turn to Jesus and He comes through and we, He does a miracle in our lives. It's, it's not those times that turn us away, but it's the time where we, we get that sand in our shoes. And I liken that to the wrong thoughts in our minds. And they're just always there never leaves and we're just thinking about the wrong thing and on this journey we're wanting to turn back and it's not the big things it's not the huge things it's it's the thoughts in our mind that we're missing out that's why philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says and the peace of god i love this which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds god keep the sand out help us to see the right Finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. I want to give you a home, uh, a, a, some homework this week. I, I put it there in your notes. I, I want to ask you, what is your one thought for 2016? And, and if it comes to you in this moment, write it down. But I really wish you'd take this and make this a, a matter of prayer this week. And, and if there's, what would, it, what would it be if we heard a thought from God? I mean, got a God thought on us for 2016. You talk about a new year. You talk about a new us. What would happen if we didn't just go through the things of life this year, but we actually got a word from God this year and begin to have a thought from him? Maybe it's a scripture. Maybe it's just one word from the Bible. Maybe it's the word stand. God began to deal with me um, whenever I began to prepare this and pray for the, the word rhythm. The word rhythm just was so strong in my heart. The word rhythm. Like we're starting this church and all the, it's like things are going in a hundred different directions. And there's always, it's good. It's God's doing great things. More and more people are coming. And, and it, it's so easy to just let the busyness of life overtake. And God, I feel like this year our family is supposed to get in a rhythm where 
I don't want to just do this for a year or for six months. I want, to, I want to do this for long. I want this to be a marathon where we're reaching this city for years and years to come. But God helped me to get in a rhythm. It was just a word God gave me just as an example. I'm not saying that's anybody else's word. That's my family's word. That's my thought. God, help me, Lord, to get in that rhythm of, of life, get in the rhythms of grace. Help me to live a life in the rhythm and trusting you and, and, and seeing your glory. I'll end with this. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says, It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's my, my spirit, says the Lord. <laughs> only through God, only through His Spirit can we have a changed life and have a changed mind. Could you bow with me in prayer as we close today?